1: HT Smartcast. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HT Smartcast. In part two of our conversation, Saz Agarwal talks about stereotypes, moving on, cultural amnesia, and much more. Why do you think that, you know, the way Sindhis, Punjabis and Bengalis have dealt with partition has been so different, you know? Yeah, there's a lot
0: of documentation. And I think that's a natural response to their culture where there's so much of folk singing and dramatization. These are things that are part of their culture. And uh, for Sindhis, I think their songs were more you know, songs of the divine. You know, their their poets were the poets who sang of um, achieving enlightenment, kind of thing. You know, Ashabul uh, Latif, okay. uh, so I think they they were looking at that kind of stuff, and also because, of course, they didn't have a land anymore; they didn't have mm-hmm. any place where their language was spoken on the street. So there was no way for their language to establish it. I mean, you know, the language was suddenly only spoken in homes, among families. Okay. So a language yeah. can't evolve when when there's that kind of situation. Yeah. And um, it, it was just a sudden loss and trauma and you have to move on. So you leave a lot behind. I think that was what happened with... um, Of course, that happened with the Punjabis and Bengalis also. But there wasn't that kind of securing with the language and the land. Suddenly, Mm -hmm. there's no land. I mean, I I know I meet people, even Mm -hmm. people who were actually babies at the time of partition, who Mm -hmm. speak of the... who say the names of these places like Sakhar and Tando Adam. And they, you know, they say these names... With feeling because they are linked to those places which they've never
1: seen and they're never going to see, so it's also quite sweet that way. Mm. Yeah, I suppose it's like what Menka Shivda says in her essay. I mean, uh, that about cultural amnesia and what can you, she quotes someone who says, What can you, youngsters, do? She used to ask me, This is, I don't know whether I'm pronouncing it correctly, Popati Hir- Yeah. yeah. yeah uh what can you youngsters do she used to ask me land and language are very close to each other and if you lose the land as we sindhis have then you will lose the language absolutely that's exactly what did happen even though uh,
0: uh even today the indian government has invested a lot in uh trying to put back the sindhi language you know to keep it alive uh, these are all like artificial hmm. ways of keeping things alive because the fact is that you're not, you know, there are a few good writers. Like we have Vimi, who's amazing. I don't know whether you saw Vimi's poem, Grandpa's Mumblings. So this is Grandpa's Mumblings. Okay. It's a poem written in Sindhi by Vimi Sadrangani, okay. and it's been translated into English by Namita Asthana Saksena, who's also a professor uh, in Adipur. They both live in Adipur. Grandpa's mind has given away. Grandpa's mind has given way. However much we catch him and bring him back home, escaping our eyes, he runs away. And so smart that when he's caught, he pretends that he has a problem of sleepwalking. Keeps muttering that I have to go across the border. Baksha is waiting. Have to give him his house papers. Otherwise, the government of Pakistan will send him into exile. Even Muhammad must be waiting at Kiamari with his Victoria so that when I return, he takes me home. We do listen to grandpa's mumblings, but do not understand. He runs away. We catch him again. This has been going on for years. He abuses, cries, nose keeps running, tears keep flowing. To wipe them, he will pick up his red, dirty and tattered handkerchief only. No one knows which Baksha, which Muhammad. When did Victoria reach Pakistan? God only knows. Feel sorry for grandpa, but what can be done? It is old age. He runs away. We catch him again. This has been going on for years. So, you know, it's, here's a poem where she's not used the word partition even once.
1: Yes, we know and, what she's
0: talking yes, about. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, she's also dr- these little allusions of Baksha and Muhammad, these are hmm. from stories of Sindhi, uh, right? I think it's Ram Panjwani who wrote uh, you know about how his uh, how I can't remember the details but somebody came to see him off when he was leaving at the time of partition uh, hmm. came to see him off at Kiamari, which is the dock where the ship was oh, sailing hmm. from whoa, so I think whoa, there's an allusion to that here and hmm. you know is waiting and uh, Muhammad must be waiting at his kiamari. I uh, must be waiting at kiamari. And Victoria, now the uh, the younger generation, obviously the third generation, who don't know anything, they mm. uh, they like what Victoria. You know, they are mocking um, uh, him <laughs> by saying Queen Victoria. When did Queen Victoria reach Pakistan? Uh, but actually, that's the way they would travel. I mean, you know, that was uh, it's a tom uh, <laughs> So I, I love this poem. She Vimy is really extraordinary. And mm. uh, I'm, I mean, I'm so lucky that she agreed to share her story in this book because uh, she has a way of expressing herself, which is really special.
1: Okay, I also found this uh, uh, um, Sapna Bhavnani's inking her legs quite Startling, yeah. you know. I mean, the piece itself is short, but the photograph is uh, um, quite astounding, I must say. So, yeah, so
0: Sapna, she is a very, very um, special person, very sensitive, very, uh, uh, very, you know, she has no, she's not scared of anything or anyone, which is something we should all be, right? And uh, she. Mm. Actually, she made this film called Sindhustan. Before that, um, you know, when I interviewed her a few years ago, she had told me that she, when she grew up, she had no connection with Sindh. And, uh, you mm-hmm. know, she she had always felt as she was growing up that um, it's better to speak English because you're more cool that way. But when mm-hmm. she got, when she started feeling the pull of her Uh, you know, cultural heritage and she Mm. decided to make the film and Mm. she got very deep into it. And then I think, I'm not exactly sure, but I think she says it here about how when she wanted to go to Synth to Mm. shoot uh, part of her film there and the visa was refused, Mm. uh, she started painting, inking herself. Okay. And also she does say that, Uh, tattoos were in a traditional way of, uh, you know, uh, decorating your body in Sindh. Like she says, her grandmother had tattoos. Hmm. And I know that my grandfather had his name on his wrist. So it was something. I've also interviewed somebody who was a a tattoo artist in Sindh. Really? Uh, Yeah. uh, He's no more now. He, his family... uh, live in pune they run the very very uh um beautiful organization called venus traders it's like uh you know like um stationery and art
1: supplies yeah they're very good
0: so he he and his brother settled in pune but he Hmm. was in sindh he was he was an artist he was uh um Tat- he 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 learned tattoos, and he 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 ha- he took photographs and things like that. So that's another thing that you know. There's so much of art, and I'm sure that's true mm. of every community. But you don't really one doesn't really see mm. Sindhis like that. One sees Sindhis as a primarily that's mercantile true. community, but of course they are. But that artistic aspect. And I have to tell Mm. you this. I don't know whether it's relevant to our interview, but I need to tell you that I discovered this, that my name comes from that, you know, the lost artistic aspect. Oh, explain. Yeah, my mother, I'm sorry. Explain. Yeah, so my my mother, she had an elder brother who was seven years older than her. And Mm. he, after partition, he kind of... uh, fell apart, he would have been uh, 19, 20 years old. And mm. uh, I mean, it's not, it's hard to say whether that wouldn't have happened anyway, even if they had stayed on in synth. Mm. But he was um, someone who was a writer. Like I remember my mom telling me that when she was giving her final Sindhi exam, she quoted from his poetry. Oh. And, um, you know, she got, she got very high marks. But Mm -hmm. he was also um, a strong man. So he would get street fights and stuff. And later, he took to alcohol and kind of became estranged from the family and so on. So Mm -hmm. he used to write poetry in my mum's name. Now, a lot of, I don't know whether it's, uh, of course, it's not only in Sindhi, but the Sindhi poets, they take a name or they are given a name uh, which describes them. So I realized this, that my mother had probably, when she was a child, taken the name Sars as her pen name. Or maybe it was his pen name. And I I always wondered, you know, how did she come up with such a peculiar name, you know? Because, I mean, not peculiar. I say peculiar because I grew up in the South where there's no Z sound. (laughs) <laughs> Most people don't have a Z sound. So my name is
1: already,
0: yeah, my name is no all. That's great. I still have classmates who think that my name means mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I did realize that this is, this is because, and the other thing is that, you know, in later years, when I did become a writer, she would just, she would keep telling me, why do you want to have your surname? Just call yourself Saz, that's enough. And that's, Mm. that is actually the way it's done. You know, people call themselves by their pen name. Hmm. So uh, I, I've seen that with a lot of others also. They, you know, they had this and then just because, I mean, of course, in my mother's case, it wasn't because she had to support her family or anything, but it was probably mm. just something she left behind because the language was not in the environment anymore. She had to get on with Hindi and English and whatever. Yeah.
1: Mm. And, you know, I found this book, like some of the essays full of insights. Let me just read this bit out. And It really struck me. Which one is this from? Um, yeah, We Tell Their Stories by Namrita Ashudani. Yeah. Yes. Others didn't realize that the Sindhis, Sh- Sindhi show-offs were only insecure refugees making sure of their status in the new unsure world and the legacy of the loud, business-minded, avaricious Sindhi was born. Yeah, I found that very interesting. And the thing is that I have, you know, yeah, you do meet a lot of flashy Sindhis, but you also meet a lot of very sober Sindhis. So I don't know, you know, maybe this is a uh, this was a stereotype that was entrenched very early on because I don't think anybody thinks like that anymore, do they? I'm not very sure because probably not. And the
0: other thing um, I realized that these stereotypes are more in India. There are Sindhis all around the world. They're in pots all around the world, according to Dirvain Hazari, who is also uh, hmm. a comedian, and he, I mean he is amazing, he makes these short films which are so funny on YouTube, he said he has viewers in uh, 170 countries because he does wow. this in Sindhi in the Sindhi language, oh. and his viewers are in 170 countries yeah, so he is a, he is a lad from Ulhasnagar. okay, and I have his, his essay actually is that I used to think that Sindhis only live in Olasnagar. and you know now he knows that they live in one hundred and seventy countries <laughs> around the world. Uh, I had this thing in, in, in Gibraltar once, where uh, uh, you know, yeah. it, Gibraltar is a place where Sindhis have lived since the eighteen sixties, when the uh, you know young entrepreneurs went out to, to trade and then established themselves. And they did really mm. well. And of course, they're all well educated. They've been to university in, in the UK because Gibraltar is British territory. And, you know, so uh, mm. I gave a there once some years ago and one of them, he, uh, uh, somebody in the audience, he said, you know, I want to share something. And he stood up and he said, similar to what Diren the, the says, when I was young, I thought all Indians were Sindhi. So everybody oh. laughed but then you know that that is uh, makes sense because in Gibraltar all the Indians are Sindhi. Then he said I went to uni in in the UK, and um, for the first time I met Indians from other places uh, in India, in Maharashtra and Gujarat and Bengal and so on. And one that must started, have been a shock. <laughs> well, it's it's like this. Someone says, to him, uh, "Oh, you're a Sindhi. Ha- uh, what do you do when you see a Sindhi and a snake?" And then again, everybody started laughing. So, you know, uh, basically, Sindhi and a and snake is a big thing.
1: Many of them have spoken mm-hmm. about being... Uh, yes, yes. Big... I know. There's one who says we're not snakes, we're spiders. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. And that's also <laughs> one of my
0: favorite essays, because he brings in history so nicely into his story. An interesting mm-hmm. history about, you know, how... The Sindhis were trading uh, in Bandar Abbas and how they were affected by the rev- Russian Revolution. Yes. You know, as you said, the insights in each one, hmm. uh, I felt that these can communicate themselves to young people and give them a feeling of being more grounded than they are because, you know, they learn something or they share an experience or, you know, they recognize something. So that's, mm. that's something I was really happy about.
1: But yeah, we did get it done in six months. Everybody was so good. So uh, what do you think, uh, you know, wh- what's next for this book? I mean, you know, what do you think is going to come out of it? What do you expect? I would like to have a lot of discussion.
0: You know, I would like to involve people in talking about the different uh, themes. I think it will bring, it should actually bring a little bit of a, a, uh, mindset change about Sindhis right now they're seen in a very unidimensional way there's uh, leaving aside even nasty prejudices even if you you ask somebody to describe Sindhis and they do it in a positive way you'll still hear mostly things like hard working and enterprising which are very true their positive qualities and probably also well deserved but you know Mm -hmm. here you see so much so much richness in the narrative there's so much variety there's so many different things and you mentioned about the Sindhi's writing out of Sindh. I Mm. really am so happy that they the ones who did write wrote what they did because those are healing words and Mm. they are words which are like a salve you know to these these traumatized people who lost everything Mm. so I'm very happy about those as well, and those people are so nice, you know, the ones who actually contributed those uh, essays.
1: Okay, great. Okay, Saaz, so on that note, we'll end. Um, everybody, go out and get this book, Cindy Tapestry Reflections on the Sindhi Identity and Anthology, even if you aren't a Cindy. They're good stories, right? Yeah, they
0: are good stories, even for anyone. Yes, and I should say, it's, uh, published by
1: Black and White Fountain. Uh, you can
0: look up the website yes but, yeah. yeah you
1: can look up the black and white fountain website and you can get it from there it's um it, it's really interesting and it's I'm, i've always wondered why i mean there's more of punjabi uh writing on you know on the partition uh experience and bengali writing on it but uh, very little of the sindhi voice comes through and now i think with these books and with what's happening in the last maybe a decade or so there's more of it emerging so that's interesting
0: Thank you so
1: much, Manjula.
0: Thank you. It was really nice talking to you. Thanks, Az. Okay, bye. See you. Bye. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast.
1: HD Smartcast.